get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Now it's time for the Danny Mac Report. This is Cards. It's history. As we give you the lowdown on everything cards, brought to you by Goodwill. Donate your car to Goodwill. It is quick, easy, and towing is free. The St. Louis Cardinals, National Alongside former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's go out to the Brown and Crippen Celebrity Line where we are happy to be joined by Danny Mack. He's the host of Scoops with Danny Mack weekdays from 10 to 11 o'clock right here on 101 ESPN. And you can give him a follow on Twitter, of course, at Danny Mac TV. Dan, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Enjoying your show, too. TJ Quinn was, uh, well, that was insightful stuff. Did, I loved it. Did you hear it, Dan? What did you think of what he had to say if you did? Yeah, I, I heard a good portion of it, and then I got a phone call, um, and he revisited you know, what you thought was the most important aspect of that, talking about owners and players and where they're at with all this. And the, the bottom line is, you know, listening to him and, and reading that article, which is fascinating, is just... There's just so much to get through, right? I mean, there is just so much to get through. Um, and I got my fingers crossed. I, you know, I've been positive from day one that I think that they can get something done to where people would feel uh, as comfortable as they can be. I'm sure it's never going to be 100%, but um, I'm still hopeful that there can be baseball and hockey and basketball and sports in general. So I'm just, I'm just trying to stay positive with it. Danny, we've talked about this on the air, off the air, and we just talked about it with TJ, and I asked him the kind of the same question, is do you really think the owners and the players' union, do you think they're willing to just not play based on money? Are they really willing to risk that image over the mighty dollar? I, I don't. I, I don't think that. And I refer back to the strike or the work stoppage of 1994 in baseball. And since that time, Ribs, we've, we've had, you know, labor peace. And I think that the underlying reason, and there's a lot of reasons as to why uh, fans came back and the sport came back. It could have been Cal Ripken breaking Lou Gehrig's consecutive game streak. It could have been Sosa McGuire. I think a Yankees dynasty with a uh, a, a great athlete and ambassador for the game, and Derek Jeter was huge. Interleague play was big. But I, I think what they realized is we can't do this. The fans had had enough at that point, and they were upset. And it took a long time to get them back and the trust of the fan base. And they realized, and now we've had the longest stretch of labor peace in, in years, in decades. Um, I, I just think they realized we can't take that chance again. And I do think 
that they realize that even in these uncertain and unique times, we, we just can't take that chance. And for the long haul of the sport, while, as TJ said, while you may take a hit this year, um, you may make it up on the back end, essentially, I think is what he's saying. I'm not trying to, to steal his thunder, but I don't, I'm not sure if you guys agree with that premise. But that's that's the, the, the basic idea and gist of what I got uh, from him is that they realize there's a lot at stake and not playing is worse than saying, hey, we're going to play for less or maybe even you know, not make a ton of money, but it's just important to get back on the field because we will get back where it's a sense of normalcy and uh, hopefully salaries are back to where they need to be and the owners are making the money they want to make and, and we move on. But there's the importance of just being back on the field. We're talking with Danny Mack. He's the host of Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN weekdays from 10 to 11 a.m. right here on 101 ESPN. Dan, let's talk a little bit about baseball. Let's go into the Cardinals, shall we? Sure. Uh, I, like I was that. reading a piece the other day on MLB.com that was talking about Walker, Walker Bueller and Jack Flaherty and saying this is the next rivalry that we're going to see in baseball because these are, if not the two best, two of the best young pitchers that we've seen. And they went into the projections for Jack Flaherty over the next three years. They project that he's going to throw 570 innings with an ERA below 3.1. I was curious who the pitchers are over the last three years that have matched those numbers, Dan. So I looked into this. It's Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, and Jacob deGrom. End of list. How good can Jack Flaherty be? I'd like to be his agent if that's the case because he's he's going to be arbitration eligible one way or another if we play baseball this year or not because everybody is going to get a, a year of service time. So uh, I think he can be that good. His second half this year I think is the most dominant second half I've ever seen in, in calling the games for the Cardinals. And I've seen some really good pitchers. Uh, Matt Morris in his heyday was dominant. Chris Carpenter, dominant. Carlos Martinez has had stretches, dominant. Um, but what he did in the second half of last season was uh, utterly ridiculous. So the sky's the limit. It's interesting, the comparison between the two, because Jack, not to my knowledge, has had any kind of arm issue, and knock on wood, that'll never happen. And uh, Bueller's had a guy is a guy that had Tommy John surgery. And it just seems like at some point in your career, you're going to have it. Now, the great thing about if there is a great thing about Tommy John and having to go through it is that guys do get through it and they're fine. It's just now kind of part of the game. So that would be kind of part of the interesting debate of this. Of, okay, where are you with injuries? How many sliders are you throwing? Uh, the amount of innings that are on that body and that arm and that shoulder right now. But Jack, to his credit, um, works extremely hard. He's one of the hardest workers on the team and gets his body in a condition and a place that would not break down. And unfortunately, as, as you guys know in sports, there's sometimes nothing you can do. It just happens. But he has just been awesome. And, and that's one of the disappointing aspects, along with a lot of them, that we don't have as fans this year, just to see what he could put together. Because his second half of last year, guys, is Bob Gibson-esque of... 1968, 1.12. Jake Arrieta, a few years ago at the Cubs, he was unbeatable. Jack Flaherty was basically unbeatable in the second half. And that's that's quite a statement, but it's not overstating how good he was. I wanted to follow up on that because we've all been watching The Last Dance, right? And the mentality that we see from Michael Jordan. I, I don't know how much of that Jack Flaherty has, but you have certainly more of an insight into his mindset than we do from the outside looking in because you're around him so often, Dan. How competitive is Jack Flaherty? Does does he have a little bit of that mentality that we've been seeing from Michael? Oh, he's got uh, 
he's got an intense mentality. Uh, and it came out more and more as he became more comfortable, I think, uh, being a major league player and also his place in the game. I think when you first start, and I remember his first ever start in San Francisco, it looked like a young guy with a ton of talent, but everything was very, very fast. It was very, very speedy. And um, and the game was quick on him. But then once he got used to it and got into a rhythm and, hey, the acceptance of I belong, then all of a sudden you saw the guy that, that he is. And he got better, more mature body-wise, more mature between the ears, all those kind of things. Uh, spring training, I went up to him. He was supposed to start one of the days, I think it was like a Thursday, and I went to him on a Wednesday, and I said, Jack, you had a couple couple minutes for me. Yes. Um, you know, I was lo- noticing this. Yes. Yes. I was like, okay, thank you. And that was about it. And it wasn't him being, you know, like flipping towards me or being, you know, a jerk or anything. It was just, that's, that's him. He was just in an intense mode. He was kind of in between some things he wanted to get done. And he's great with the media, by the way. He's, he's tremendous. He's very, very cordial and very uh, thoughtful and respectful. So it wasn't like he was trying to be disrespectful. He was just intense. And I was like, okay, he answered my questions. I was right. Uh, what I was seeing, great, we move on. And that's kind of who he is. So I know he, he, he molds himself in a lot of ways after Kobe Bryant. That's been well documented. Um, but you do see that mentality when he's on the mound. I mean, he is going to flat out get after you, and that's what makes it fun to watch. I mean, to me, Chris Carpenter was like that as a pitcher. Uh, there's been some others that I think come to mind that have been like that, that they just know that they've got the stuff, that they're going to try to dominate you and uh, and do it in a fashion that's in, very impressive when you're watching. All right, Danny Mac, talking about, you know, people intense and maturity and growing up within the game, all that stuff. How important is it to have players around Jack Flaherty like Adam Wainwright and Yadi Molina? How much can those guys, you know, one guy, a same position, being able to talk to him from that side of the game, and then Yachty, who's behind the plate and who has been there for so many years. How important are those guys to Jack Flurry's development? It's huge, and this really goes back, in in my opinion, all the way back to when Tony La Russa, uh was managing early on with the St. Louis Cardinals, and they acquired um, Stottlemyre. They had Pat Henkin. They went and got Chris Carpenter, and they started doing a thing where they would watch the starter throw his side session. So you do that in between your starts, and all the starters would go out there and just watch and say, hey, I see you doing this with that pitch, or this is happening with this pitch, or you're doing something a little different with this, or maybe tinker with this. So there's the mutual admiration society and respect factor there, and that really began in many ways. Um, all the way back to the Toronto Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays had Henkin, and they had Roger Clemens, and they had David Wells, and they had Roy Halladay, and then they had Chris Carpenter. And so when Carpenter got here, he brought a lot of that mentality, and what those guys taught him, he brought it to St. Louis. And then all of a sudden, a young Adam Wainwright was around, and Carpenter kind of took him under his wing in certain aspects of the game, and he became a leader. And Wainwright has been that leader for a bunch of guys for a number of years, and now the next wave, at least in my opinion, that we're seeing now, it's Jack Flaherty. Um, I had a guest on the other day, it was Austin Gomber, and I asked him about Yachty and Wainwright, pretty much exactly what you're asking. 
And he said, first of all, he said, Yachty, he said, man, did you read the article uh, in ESPN? I said, yeah. And he goes, that's him. He wants to be the best ever, wants to be the best ever, and tries to help us be the best we can be. So that's number one. And then he said about Adam Wainwright, he said, take baseball out of the equation. He said, I'm not sure there's a better guy that I've ever been around, just a human being, than Adam Wainwright. And and that's the greatest compliment, really, you could give to somebody, isn't it, Rivs, in sports? I mean, where somebody says, I respect the player that he is and how good he is and the fact that he's a tremendous athlete and competes at the highest level and has success. But, oh, by the way, as a human being, I respect him as much, if not more. Mm-hmm. And so that, that really was telling a statement for me to have a young guy say that about Adam and Yachty. We're talking with Dan McLaughlin. He's the host of Scoops with Danny Mac weekdays from 10 to 11 o'clock right here on 101 ESPN. Final question that I had for you, Dan. We've been talking all day about the superstars that exist right now in the NFL and how many of them can really reach that level. Not necessarily talking about based on their play, but how they transcend the sport, the marketability, how recognizable they are to even people that may not watch that sport. How many of the baseball players that we're watching right now do you think fit into that category of legitimate superstardom? They're there. I I don't know if the sport does a great job in marketing those players or if it's because the sport is played so often there just isn't the time frame to do so. Uh, Meaning that if you wanted to do something big with Mike Trout, and Mike Trout, let's say we had a normal season this year, and and normal seasons from here on out in his career, and he, he could play eight to ten more years. He could go down as one of the, if not the greatest player that ever played this game. And, and that's not uh, an overstatement of how great this player is. He's that good. The problem is half his games are played on the West Coast. So a lot of times the rest of the country isn't seeing him. They're in bed. And you might read the box score the next day, and he went four for five and had two home runs and made a diving catch, but no one saw it. Now, you might see it on Sports Center, but a lot of people at work, and they're not going to see that kind of stuff. So I think that has been one of the tougher things that, that we've had in the sport because those players are there. The marketability is there. But also, uh, it's kind of a, a tough question to answer, too. The popularity of the sport is part of it, too. And the, the popularity is not to the level of the NFL, and the NBA has been growing and growing and growing, and they do a great job of marketing their their their, their uh, superstars. I'm just not sure we're marketing those guys as well as maybe we need to uh, in baseball. And so if you're going to do a commercial shoot with a guy, you're going to need a day or two days to do it, hypothetically. And where are the two days in a season? You're not going to get that, and, and that's part of the problem. Um, but I do think that those guys are there. I'm just not sure we're seeing them as much as we should. I mean, here we are in a great baseball town, and we're not seeing Mike Trout very often. And, and that's disappointing because you know our fan base that understands baseball better than anybody maybe in the country as a community um, would love to watch Mike Trout. I mean, who wouldn't? The guy's an incredible player. And the times I've seen him in person, it's ridiculous how good he is. But yet the rest of the country really doesn't know that. And that's unfortunate because I'm with you. We, I think as a sport, we just don't market those guys as well as we need to. And, then, you know, coming out of this thing, I think that's something that you have to look uh, towards doing. And maybe you'll get that with how these broadcasts, if we come out and play, will allow you to see more of the personality of the players, too, if they're mic'd up or uh, you're hearing more of the sounds of the game and you're trying to do more of the personality-driven stuff to make it as enjoyable as you can uh, for broadcast. So those are the kind of things that I think you have to do with baseball moving forward. I really believe that. But there's got to be buy-in from the players, too. 
He's Dan McLaughlin. You can hear him. Uh, scoops with Danny Mac weekdays from 10 to 11 o'clock right here on 101 ESPN. And follow him on Twitter at Danny Mac TV. We always appreciate him hopping on Ribs and BK. Dan, you're the best, man. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Great to be with you guys. Thanks. Absolutely. You're the best. That's Dan McLaughlin joining us here on Ribs and BK. I was listening to a, an inner an inter- an interview, third time's a charm Whoa. there, uh, with Jeff Passan the other day. And he was asked about the superstars in baseball. And he said, you know, I don't think there's been a legitimate superstar in baseball since Ken Griffey Jr. I disagree with him on that. I think Barry Bonds reached that level. I think to a certain degree, even here in St. Louis, we saw it with Mark McGuire in oh, Sandy Sosa. Certain degree. And Sosa and McGuire were worldwide yeah. recognized. I think those guys would qualify in, in the summer of 98. I don't know that we've seen one since Bonds. You don't think Pujols was? No, I don't think he transcended the sport. I don't. Uh, I agree. The, Boy, but any time he was at bat, all eyes were on him. I think it's the Mike Trout effect. Mike Trout is a spectacular baseball player, one of the best I've ever seen. I also don't think he's transcended the sport. I think both of those things can can be true. I think for Pujols, some of it, and this is not fair to him whatsoever, but I think some of it was the language barrier 100%. as well. 100%. Yeah, that's a good he's point. He's not on doing a bunch of commercials. It's more difficult for him. That's a good point. Him. So I would agree to that point. I, I think because we were in St. Louis at the time, or because you, you specifically, Alex, were in St. Louis at the time, it kind of skews how we think about it. And so he was so omnipresent here locally mm-hmm. that it felt like he was a superstar. But if you went out to Seattle at the time, I'm not sure you would be hearing a lot about Albert Pools outside of whenever you were watching the highlights for baseball, if that makes sense. It makes sense. I will say, though, that going outside of St. Louis, like on road games, there were a lot of people in the stands wanting to yeah, see Albert Pools. Baseball, baseball fans love Albert Remember, Pujols. our criteria is not we're going common fan, common folk. Yeah, I don't know though. I feel like if you ask the sport. anybody, they would say Albert Pujols. Oh yeah, I know who that is. It's just BK saying he doesn't like Pujols. Oh my God, we but, are not doing uh, no, that. No, but I get it. That, that, that's where I draw the line. <laughs> Albert Pujols. That's where you draw the line. <laughs> I will not stand I'm for this. Just I, messing, I get what you're saying though, because he's not. <laughs> He's not Ken Griffey Jr. level. I mean, Ken Griffey Jr. changed the game along with the McGuire and the Sosa era. Somebody brings up Derek Jeter. That's an interesting one. Kind of along the lines Maybe. of pool. Yeah. I, I think no, that he, might qualify. Yes. I think I think that might be one that 100%. I had not thought about. Mostly because he was a Yankee. The one about A-Rod. One. Yes. A-Rod's another good one. I think A-Rod transcended the sport. Well, in a lot of good ways and bad ways. Well, who was the last pitcher that transcended the sport? Can you think of one? Pedro? Did uh, did Pedro Clemens? Clemens is what comes to mind for me. Uh, I mean, Pedro's a, a lot good of the guys one. that we're talking about are guys that transcended yeah. the sport because of like legitimate controversies that happened. But publicly. that was the era. It was legal at the time. BK, <laughs> my lawyer told me that. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK. We've got a potential timeline for the NBA's return. We'll talk about it next.